From CIPRI and the CIPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research and education. Today, we look at COVID-19-related school closures and new teacher and district surveys reporting negative impacts on student engagement, attendance, equity, and more. We found that student engagement is declining, and the vast majority of teachers overall, ever since we started surveying, have felt that the morale of their students was lower during remote instruction than it was prior to the closures. We welcome Holly Kurtz, director of the Edweek Research Center, to discuss a new survey gauging the perceptions of nearly 1,000 teachers and district leaders across the U.S. We cover the center's findings. 96% of high school teachers who are in the lowest poverty districts said that they have one-to-one computing or at least one device per student. When we look at the highest poverty districts, less than half of the teachers, 45%, said they had one-to-one computing. And some important implications for policy and practice as we move toward the fall. We asked what scenarios district leaders had planned for. 26% said they had not planned for any scenarios at all. So hopefully, if we ask this question again, that will have changed as we get closer to the new school year. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello, and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith T. Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Uh, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Holly Kurtz, Director of the Edweek Research Center. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Holly. Thank you. It's great to be here. So today we're discussing a new online survey, which was conducted by the Edweek Research Center in the first week of May, uh, which sought to gauge the perceptions and experiences of teachers and district leaders in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. To start, could you just tell us a little bit about the survey itself? You know, what questions did you have and how did you attempt to answer them? Sure. Um, this is actually the fifth in a series of coronavirus surveys um, that we have been doing of educators. And we've been conducting these surveys every other week since March 11th. Um, that was back when 83% of respondents told us that no schools were closed and we are not considering closing any. So really a very different time. With the exception of the first survey, all of our surveys went out to teachers and district leaders, and that first survey went to principals and district leaders. The surveys have attracted, um, in general, around 1,000 respondents in just 24 hours, which has allowed us to conduct these surveys amazingly quickly, thanks to our great community of educators who's been responding. And the speed has really been helpful because our goal with this survey is really to provide timely information to the audiences of Education Week and Edweek Market Brief, which is our business intelligence service for the K through 12 sector. Education Week is um, a national news publication for teachers, principals, superintendents, um, and other stakeholders in, in the education, K through 12 education world. Um, because this, the goal of the survey is really to provide information for our audiences, our journalists uh, come up with most of the ideas for questions. And then we in the research center work to convert them into survey questions. And then we also solicit and use ideas from our audience to get questions. So this makes us a little bit unusual um, in terms of research and being a research organization. We also have a very strong mission and history of serving our journalists. So for example, We were founded to conduct the analysis behind Quality Counts, which is our longstanding report rating the states on school finance and student achievement, and we still do that. 
so at the time that we started this series of surveys, our goal was really just to get a grasp on what was going on with this really fast moving story. You know, for instance, what percentage of district leaders said their schools were closed? As closures become sort of the next or the new normal, our objectives have really kind of evolved into tracking more what's going on with remote learning. So looking at topics like what approaches are teachers using for instruction? Um, how is student engagement going? There's a lot of anecdote out there right now when it comes to education in schools. And so this is really our effort to ground our coverage in something that's more like evidence. So just to give you a really brief basic overview of the methodology behind our surveys, all of our surveys, coronavirus surveys have been administered online and they've been administered to a nationally representative sample of educators. We invite the educators to take the survey via email and guide them to our uh, website where they take the survey either on mobile or on their computers. And uh, the most recent survey, which we'll be talking about today for the most part, was administered May 6th and 7th of 2020. And we had a total of 908 educators who responded. That includes 599 teachers and 309 district leaders, including superintendents, assistant superintendents, curriculum and instruction directors, people in HR, finance, all sort of the broad spectrum. The survey had 48 questions on it, but we used skip patterns. So not every question went to every uh, group. Some went to teachers only, some went to administrators only, and some went to both groups. So for this uh, most recent survey, the Research Center reported eight key findings um, touching on areas including curriculum, remote learning technology, and equitable access to devices. But I'd like to start with student engagement, which continues to be a concern for both parents and instructors. What did the respondents in your survey say about student engagement in the wake of COVID-related school closures? Well, we found that student engagement is declining. Our exact survey question was, compared to their engagement levels prior to the coronavirus closures, uh, my students' current level of engagement with their schoolwork is, and then there were choices of lower, much lower, somewhat lower, much lower, somewhat higher, much higher, the same. So the first time we asked that question was back in March, on March 25th. And at that time we had 38% of people saying that engaged student engagement was much lower. Um, that's now up to 42% of teachers saying that student engagement is much lower. So we've seen sort of overall decrease in student engagement, albeit small by that measure. The other question we asked, we asked this question for the first time when we surveyed people um, last on May 7th. And we asked in the past two weeks how, how teachers think that their students' engagement level has changed. And 37% of them said that they thought it had declined a little and 22% said that it had declined a lot. So for the most part, we're saying that overall teachers are saying that students are just with remote learning, they're just less engaged than they were uh, with in-person instruction. We also have seen a, a drop in student morale. And that's a question we've been asking ever since the end of March. Student morale, according to their teachers, we asked on March 25th, we said, compared to morale prior to the coronavirus, how is morale now for students? And we had um, back then in March, 16% of teachers thought that their students' morale was much lower. That's now up to 33% of teachers think their students' morale is much lower. And the vast majority of teachers overall, ever since we started surveying, have felt that the morale of their students was lower during remote instruction than it was prior to the closures. So we're really seeing some sort of concerning trends here with student engagement and also morale. 
And uh, somewhat related to that, you also ask teachers about truancy, which in the current climate seems to mean uh, just not logging in or not making contact with their instructors. Um, so what did you learn there about truancy? Well, um, what we're finding is it's, it's a little disheartening. The exact question we ask teachers, since the definition of truancy is a, or even attendance is a little bit unclear right now, we ask teachers, what percentage of your students are essentially truant during coronavirus closures? For example, missing in action, not logging in, not making contact with you, et cetera. And the first time we asked that, back at the beginning of April, teachers said 21% of their students were truant. That's now up to 23%. One thing that we were curious about, though, is how does this compare to how many students you usually would say would be truant, like when schools were you know, open for in-person instruction? And compared to that, you know, the, the rates are much higher. So during sort of a more typical, you know, in-person instruction period, teachers uh, say that less than well under 5% of their students would fit that definition of truancy. We do see some differences in terms of teachers saying their students are truant. We do see some differences in terms of grade level, as you might expect, um, although not as stark as you might think. So um, last time we asked this question, what percentage of your students are truant? Elementary teachers said 19% of their students were truant um, as compared to 27% at the high school level. So older students are more likely to be missing in action, you know, which is also the case with absences when school is you know, in session in person. We also saw some really stark differences by the poverty rate of the district. When we look at the lowest poverty districts, and those would be districts where a quarter or less of the students are living in poverty, 11% of the students are truant. Compare that to districts where more than three quarters of the students are living in poverty, and that's 28%. So 11% versus 28%, that's a pretty big difference in, in the reported truancy rates. Equity has been and remains one of the overriding concerns for schools, districts, and families throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. And your survey uh, shed some light on one of the biggest challenges in that area, access to technology. So what did the respondents in the survey say about students' access to devices or about one-to-one computing? Yeah, that was um, another trend that's, that's somewhat disturbing. So we asked teachers if their schools have a device, at least one device for every student. And 72% of the teachers at the lowest poverty districts said yes, as compared to 44% in the highest poverty districts. And those would be the districts where more than three quarters of the students live in poverty. The differences also break out by grade level. So in general, elementary schools are less likely to have one-to-one computing or at least one device for every student because of concerns about young children and screen time is is usually the most um, common example. So we also saw differences by grade level, but this also kind of interacted with poverty and interacted most starkly at the secondary level. So 96% of high school teachers who are in the lowest poverty districts said they have one-to-one computing or at least one device per student. When we look at the highest poverty districts, less than half of the teachers, 45%, said they had one-to-one computing. So pretty much 100% of those low-poverty districts are giving their high school students one device per student compared to less than half of those super high-poverty districts. Um, And I think that kind of goes a long way to explaining some of the findings with students be missing in action or students just not being available if they don't have devices. You know, another stark difference we found is 
on May 7th for the first time, we asked um, what percentage of your students share devices with parents, siblings, and other family members or friends to complete their schoolwork during the closures. And those percentages were, were really quite different depending on the poverty level of the district. So in those super high poverty districts, more than half of the educators said that more than half of their students were sharing devices. In those low poverty districts, less than one in three teachers and district leaders said that more than half of their students were sharing devices. So, you know, again, that's another reason why students may be harder to reach in higher poverty districts. You know, they may be sharing, for instance, a laptop with their siblings or even trying to do their schoolwork on a shared family cell phone. You know, when we talk about equity, though, um, equity is not just about devices. It's, it's also about the amount of instruction. And this gets to devices to a certain extent because it's difficult with the schools closed for teachers to have contact with their students if, if their students don't have devices. But, you know, because of devices and other factors, um, students in high poverty districts are literally just receiving less instruction right now. So if you look at these super high poverty districts, 67% of their teachers are, or let, let's put it this way, in those super high poverty districts, about a third of the teachers are, are having daily or more contact, are in contact with most of their students at least once a day. If you look at those low poverty districts, half the teachers are in contact with their students on a daily basis. We also see that um, another thing that, that sort of is, gets to the inequity of the situation, teachers themselves in those high poverty districts are less likely to say they feel um, knowledgeable and supportive. So we asked teachers uh, whether they have the knowledge and support they need to provide quality instruction during the coronavirus closures. 83% said yes in those low poverty districts, but just 66, 68% said yes in those super high poverty districts. Teachers in those super high poverty districts were also less likely to say that their ability to effectively use educational technology had improved. So in those low poverty districts, almost all the teachers said yes my ability to effectively use educational technology has improved since school shut down. When we go to those super high poverty districts, only 75% uh, say yes, my ability to effectively use educational technology is used. So I know the devices are often the focus of the inequities, but it really goes much further than that in terms of teacher support, teacher support and knowledge, and um, instructional time and interactions, teacher and student interactions. It, obviously, the inequities existed prior to the closures, but they are definitely playing out uh, very starkly right now during the closures. You also asked uh, teachers and district leaders about the perceived effectiveness of various approaches to remote instruction, including live video conferencing, shared online documents, asynchronous video content, things like that. Um, so what did you learn there? Yeah, that was an interesting question. Um, so this is a question that actually kind of came from our audience. So we initially asked this question uh, for based about just about math back in April. We asked what types of instructional tools uh, math teachers felt were, or teachers felt were most effective for teaching math. And as you said, uh, video conferencing was the top tool. And then we got some an audience question saying, you know, well, what about other subjects? And so this last survey, we asked about English language arts. And then Someone else uh, mentioned um, in response to the survey, well, what about social studies and science? So that might, stay tuned, that might be in a future survey. But at any rate, so for both math and English language arts, uh, teachers and district leaders felt that live synchronous video conferencing tools were the most effective tools they had available for teaching. And um, for English language arts, uh, shared documents such as Google Docs were also viewed as the second most effective. 
math teachers, their second most effective tool was pre-recorded videos on specific topics. We also asked teachers, we, one of the options we gave teachers was, and they could have selected is, there is no way to provide very effective instruction in the subject during closures. And only 11% of educators said that about math, but 17% said that about English language arts. So it looks like there's more of an impression that it's difficult to teach English language arts remotely than math. Some tools that educators felt were sort of less effective were for English language arts in particular, movies of books were not deemed by educators to be particularly effective. And um, also on-demand video lessons were not deemed to be particularly effective. It really seems like teachers seem to like these tools that give them like video conferencing and shared documents that kind of give them a chance to communicate with students as opposed to maybe having sort of canned curricula. Unfortunately, we don't have the time to dig into all the findings here today, and I want to remind listeners that they could find all of the findings from this, this most recent survey and all other EdWeek surveys at edweek.org. But I did want to touch on one final topic, reopening. You asked district leaders if and how uh, they are now planning for the 2020-2021 school year, and I'm sure many of us are curious as to their thinking. Yeah, we're, we were curious too, so we said... Um... When it comes to reopening during the 2020-21 school year, um, we asked uh, what scenarios district leaders had planned for. And um, most of them, the vast majority said they would, had planned for multiple scenarios, depending on what you know health officials end up telling them is the best thing to do. But we also had a pretty significant minority. So 26% said they had not planned for any scenarios at all. So hopefully, um, if we ask this question again, that will have changed as we get further on or as we get closer to the new school year starting. We also asked uh, what supports and services um, that district leaders said that they were planning to provide uh, during the 2021 school year, so the coming school year. Um, And we asked about specifically about services that would help students and staff transition safely back to in-person instruction or continue with remote instruction. The most common service that in, that will be provided is instructional interventions for students who are behind academically. We also see most district leaders saying that they plan to provide social-emotional learning programming and uh, mental health services and referrals for students. Um, there is quite a bit of concern about students' mental well-being during these closures with teachers unable to reach many students teachers um, maybe getting glimpses into students' home lives that that concern them, students feeling isolated from their peers and friends. Um, So we do see most district leaders sort of taking that into account and looking forward to thinking about how they might serve students um, in terms of those needs when they return. One thing that we saw relatively in, in the district leaders, we saw not even half of them said they planned to have nurses to conduct temperature or wellness checks for students and staff which we know might possibly be necessary, um, given that we don't expect a vaccine to be available um, by the time schools reopen. So maybe keep an eye on and and look at and, you know, see whether um, schools or districts are going to be planning for that as the school year, new school year gets closer to starting. Finally, will Education Week or the Ed Week Research Center be doing more surveys or follow-up reporting on these or any other issues as we move into the summer and toward the fall? Yes, I'm glad you asked that. So we plan to continue on our every other week schedule of surveys for the time being. At some point, we'll reassess that. But right now, we're going to continue with them. So our next survey will be in the field May 20th and the 21st. 
and some of the questions will be repeated so that we can um, have a chance to continue to track some of our indicators that we've been tracking all along, like engagement and maybe some others. And also to give you a sneak peek, we're, we're probably going to be adding principals back into the mix. Um, so because we're, we're thinking we need to get their perspectives. Well, this is thought provoking work, Holly. And uh, again, I want to encourage our listeners to read those full survey results, which are now available at edweek.org. Holly Kurtz, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E 